0: In this place, and so God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen,", amen and "Amen," "Amen," and "Amen." Well, have you have you ever been a part of a gift exchange before? Has anybody ever been a part of a gift exchange before? Maybe at work, maybe like a you know a Secret Santa or a White Elephant gift exchange, one of those types of things. Well, you you know what that feels like. You know what that can look like. Uh, one of my one of my favorite show TV shows of all time is this show called The Office. The Office. Are there any Office fans in here? I saw a couple of smiles, right? Like, so I love The Office, uh, and if you're unfamiliar with The Office is, The Office is a show that's based around... An office, there we go, right? And, uh, but there's this one episode in particular that I really, really like, and it's a Christmas episode, and uh, in this particular Christmas episode, they have decided that they're going to do a, a Secret Santa gift exchange. Secret Santa works out is that you know who you're going to be buying for uh, in advance, but the funny thing about this is that they set, a, they set a $25 gift limit for the Secret Santa. That way it's not awkward, everybody knows what's expected, that kind of a thing. Well, Michael Scott, uh, one of the key characters in the show, he decided $25, I'm not going to be able to communicate how much I care for this person for $25. And so he decides that I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend $400 and buy a video iPod for my person. And uh, here's, here's Michael Scott and his wisdom for us. He says, presents are the best way to show someone how much you care. It's like this tangible thing that you can point to and say, hey, man i love you this many dollars worth right and so michael just blows up their gift exchange and he makes it super awkward for everybody but the funny thing about michael scott is that this is something that we can relate to we've, we've all been we've all had experiences we've all uh had these moments where we're in this kind of like gift exchange where we're, we're we're trying to figure out what do i give to the other person like anybody here have you ever started a new relationship say yes Right? Anybody ever started a new relationship? And if you ever made the terrible decision of starting that relationship close to Christmas time, then you have to decide, man, like, what do I get this person at Christmas time that communicates to them that I care, but that I don't care too much and they think I'm a creep? Right? Right? And so you've had that experience before. How about this? Uh, you're, you're, does anybody, anybody ever have a neighbor that just brings over a random gift for you? Right? They, like, they bring, they bring over something and you're like, ah. I wasn't planning on getting you anything, right? But now I got to run out and try and match what they've given me. Uh, or, of course, we've all had these different kinds of experiences. Or, extended family when a package shows up and you're like, "I haven't talked to them in years, and yet they got me a Christmas gift. What am I supposed to do about that? You see that tension that we feel? I think at this time of year, when it comes to gift giving and gift exchanging, I think this is the tension that we feel at Christmas time when it comes to God. Because what Scripture tells us, what the story of Christmas is all about, is how God gave us one of the best gifts ever, and then we're left feeling like, how do I give back to you what you've given to me? In fact, Scripture tells us from John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Now, my wife and I, we have a 16-month-old daughter. I can never imagine ever giving her to anybody. But if I did, did, if I did do that someday, I'm going to have to give her to some poor soul in marriage. And he's going to get that conversation from a scary dad, right? right? But, but I can't imagine ever having to do that. But, but if we ever had to do that, man, the, 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 what I would want in response would be something so big and so great. And that's the tension that we feel at this time with Christmas. God has given us so much, he has given such a humongous gift that we want to know how do I respond to God's gift. And not only how do I respond, is there any way that I could ever reciprocate the gift that God has given to me? And so those are two things, two places that we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles... We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. And so I'd love for you to move in that direction. Uh, I'm going to give some context before we put it up. uh, but, But move to Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26. It is part of the Christmas story. And in this story, what would happen in Scripture is that anytime time there was about to be something big that would happen, anytime time there was about to be something special that would happen, Scripture does this thing where they would, uh, uh, it's called a birth narrative, where they would kind of give some background notes, they would kind of give uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff, so that when you got to the, the thing that was going to happen, the birth, it was like this big celebratory, uh, big, big occasion. And so in Luke chapter 1, what we have is we have that happening. They're going to lay some groundwork. They're going to talk about some of the conversations that were happening. But this is what I would love for you this morning. I would love for you to, to find yourself in this story in a particular character. And the character is Mary. You see, we read this story at Christmas time, and we just buzz right past a lot of the details. We buzz right past a lot of the emotions. But if you would for a moment this morning, Find yourself in Mary's story, because the reason one of the reasons that this story is given to us is so that we can find ourselves in in these characters, in particular in the character of Mary this morning. And so, get yourself there. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Are you married yet? Are you married up yet?" Turn to your other neighbor and say, "What are we talking about here? Right? What, what are we going? Where are we going?" So, in Luke chapter one, beginning in verse twenty six. Um, we have it on the screen, and you have it on your outlines uh, near your seat. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee. Now, notice something. It doesn't, it doesn't write, right off the bat identify who the angel is supposed to go to. It gives you all of these like, kind of details before they finally tell you why the angel was sent. It says, to a virgin that was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Angel went to her, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, before we move forward, I want to pull something out real quick. And that is, have you ever wondered this question, why do we talk about love at Christmas time? Like, like, why is this a a part of God's love for us? Why is this the narrative of love wrapped up in the Christmas story? If you've ever wondered that, I'm gonna I'm gonna open this up to us this morning, and and the first by by three ways. The first one is this, is that one of the reasons that it's communicated to us that it's about love is that we learn from this story, and that is God sees us. This scripture that we just read, you're talking about a person named Mary. Mary was, was from a, a very unimpressive part of town. like they were they were from like the area of Pittsburgh or National City or something like that. Or just seeing if you're there, right? Just seeing if you're there. No offense to the national city folk. We love national city, right? But, but it was from but, but most kind of like. Unimpressive thing about Mary, or, or the most extraordinary thing about Mary, was how ordinary Mary was. We know from history that Mary was from a particular town and place that was not really highly regarded. She was probably in the twelve to fifteen uh, year range. She was a female at this time, and this was not a good time uh, uh, for the world to be a female at this time. And so she she is uh, unimpressive. But yet what we learn is that God sees her, that God sees her, not because of some high pedigree that she had, not because, of, uh, because she had the following that the Kardashians have on social media, right? She doesn't have any of those things, but it tells us that, that God saw her. And what that communicates to you, what it communicates to me is that God sees us. He sees us where we're at. He knows our struggles. He knows the things that we deal with. He knows our anxieties. He knows our worries. He knows when we experience loss. He knows our highs. And he sees us. He sees us. And this is kind of the first little part. And when God communicates his love for us, part of that is that he says, I see you. And I believe that that being seen is one of our greatest desires. One of the ways that I can prove that is because all of your social media stuff. We want people to like our stuff. We want people to watch our stuff. Why? Is it because we're self-absorbed? Maybe, right? But I think, believe that there's another part to it in which we want to say, do you see me? Do you see me? And God says, I see you. Not for the reasons that you think. I see you because I love you. But then there's this other part to it. Not only does God see us, but God, it, we learn from the story that God actually seeks us out. He seeks us. I love in the story that God sends Gabriel. Imagine this. God sitting on his throne, whatever that looks like. He's got his, his homies surrounding him. Gabriel, Michael, all the crew, they're singing songs because that's what you do in heaven. I don't know. Right? But he sends Gabriel, he tells Gabriel, go to this town, go to this obscure part of town, go to this place that I'm telling you to go, because I am seeking out a particular person. I'm seeking out Mary because I have a message to communicate to her. Have you ever, have you ever, um, have you ever been sought out for something? Do you ever have like a particular skill? Maybe you're an artist, maybe you're a mechanic, maybe you're, you're something, and like, like people seek you out for it. Or maybe the other side of the question is, do you ever wanted to be sought out for something? You ever wanted to be sought out for something? A couple of months ago, my wife and I, we uh, had an opportunity to go to a, a Dirks Bentley concert. Uh, my wife and I are huge country fans. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just... Okay, well, wow, right on, right on right. And uh, so we're huge country fans. We're going to the Dirks Bentley concert. And the um, little backstory is that m- before I met my wife, I had a, a roommate, and my roommate is, is he was just a guy who uh, grew up on the East Coast, actually went to Vanderbilt, which is where Dirks went to school, and they, went to the same fr- they were in the same fraternity together. They were really good friends, and then just through a couple of different things, me and that guy became really good friends. But through our whole friendship, he had never invited me to a Dirks Bentley concert. I said, bro, you have taken so many girls and I'm your best friend. Take your best friend to the Dirks Bentley concert, right, and so finally, wish granted uh, we and my wife and I we were going to go. We got a babysitter. It was a super fun night uh, out and uh, as we're as we're going, we had backstage passes, and so we were looking out on all the peasants out there in the cheap seats areas, right? My wife was looking at the peasants, I would never do those things, right I'm just joking, just joking, but we're but we're hanging out backstage, and I just really wanted to meet Dirks like I, I wanted to meet him, shake his hand, all that kind of stuff, and so so we're there hanging out. And there was a, an artist played, and then there was another artist. And while this other artist is playing, Dirks comes. He comes to the backstage area. He comes to the side where we're all hanging out. And when Dirks came out, it was like all of a sudden all these people just showed up out of nowhere, right? It was like people crawling out of cases and everything. There was tons of people out there hanging out. And, and I just really wanted to meet him. And so I'm like hanging out. And he's coming, and he's, like, walking behind me. Now, as much as I was trying to, as much as I was, like, fanboying out, I, I was trying not to freak out because I didn't want Dirks to know a 35-year-old man was, like, melting on the inside, right? And so, so Dirks is hanging out. He's coming, and he's, like, kind of running out uh, to the side and that hair is just perfectly moving in the back and I'm like, this is the coolest moment ever, right? And so we're hanging out and he's like right behind me. And I and I turn and I see him. He's literally standing right behind me looking at the looking at the thing. And I thought in that moment, I thought in that moment, I thought my roommate has told Dirks how great I am. I thought my roommate has told Dirks how I'm a pastor, and he's going to tap me on the shoulder, and he's going to want to know about the mysteries of God and talk about Jesus and all of these things. And so, I, and I stood there in that moment. Never happened, by the way. But, but. I believe that we all want to be sought out, right? We all want to be sought out. And here's the beautiful thing about the Christmas story and the Christmas message and why we say it's love. Because God sought us out, not because of what we've done, not because of who we are, but rather God, just like he saw Mary and he sought Mary out, not because of who she was, but because of who God is. And he sought out Mary just like he seeks us out because he loves us. And God sees us and then he got, and God seeks us out because he wants to communicate his great love that he has for us. But that's not the only part. God then surprises us. You see, one of the cool things uh, about Christmas and when we give gifts, my wife is here in one of the ways that I try to communicate my love for my wife is through giving gifts. Like, I, I, I want to surprise her, right? It's like, I know we, we settled on a dollar amount. And, you know, I know that we try to communicate these things as much as possible. Because even married couples don't want to have awkward gift exchange moments, right? And we, am I the only one on that one? Uh, okay, right? Moses, I need some advice after the service, right? But, but I want to communicate her to, And I, so I want to surprise her. I I want to give gifts that surprise her. And the same is true in this Christmas story. That God, when he gives gifts, not only does he see us and seek us, but he wants to surprise us. And boy, did he surprise Mary. Look what what it says in verse 31. It says, not only, Mary, are you highly favored and that I'm with you, but check this out. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, surprise, right? He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now pause there for a moment because we, we uh, burst past this, this part and we don't realize how gigantic of a title that was. King David was an absolute rock star in the nation of Israel. And so he comes to this obscure little girl in this obscure part of town and says, you are highly favored. I am with you. You're going to conceive and you're going to bear a son and you're going to call him Jesus and he is going to be the son of the most high God. King David, that guy that we've talked about, that guy that you know about, that guy that all the stories are written about, you are going to be a part of that story. You see, God shows up And he sees us and he seeks us and then he surprises us with this surprisingly good news. And that is why we say it's love at Christmas time. But the beautiful thing about this is that not only does God do that for Mary, God does it for us. He sees you where you're at. He seeks you out. This is anybody that is worth their salt, been following Jesus, will tell you the story of how God sought them out. That you were lost in your sin. You were lost with no hope. And what happened? Somebody showed up and invited you to church. Someone showed up and gave you a word of encouragement. And you felt God seeking you out because God wanted you to know how much he loves you. That's the story of Christmas. That's the message of Christmas. And that's why we say it is about love at this time of the year. Because God is after us. Now, that being said, again, you're like, Pastor, did you not remember the part where you talked about awkward gift exchange moment, right? It's like it's bad enough. We know that God gave his only son in John three sixteen, but now you're just pouring it on, pouring it on. How do we respond to God's love? How do we respond to God's love? And the second part of that question, then how could we ever reciprocate God's love? Well, let's look at the story. And here's the whole point is that God's love has been initiated regardless of who we are and regardless of who we've been. That God did these things long before you were around, long before I was around, long before all the bad stuff that we've done, God said, doesn't matter, I'm pouring out my love on you, for you. And the question then is, how do we respond? How do we reciprocate the love that God has already initiated and I want us to see something because Mary's, Mary's response is just classic. Mary responds the way that you would respond and the way that I would respond when, when presented with this kind of news. In verse 29, Mary says this. Mary says, she's greatly, say the word with me, troubled at the, at the words. And then she what? wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I love this part of the story because this demonstrates the humanity of the story because the angel shows up, tells her all this good news, and Mary wants to know two things. What and how? What and how? Has anybody ever, you ever received an unexpected gift or, or an unexpected message and immediately, your immediate response to that is, what do they want from me? Right? Someone shows up and says, "Man, your hair's looking really good today," and you're like, "What do you want?" Right? This past week, I uh, I got a a Christmas card in the mail. I came to the church here, and it was addressed to the amazing Pastor Mike. Right. And I was like, hallelujah. Let's open this one up. Right. I want to see what's inside here. I found my executive pastor sent me a Christmas card saying amazing. Right. He always does that stuff. But I knew it wasn't from him. But I was like, man, I don't know who this is. I want to open this thing up. There's got to be some goodies in this card. Right. And I don't know about you. Have you ever shake a card before? OK, just checking. Right. Right. So I'm like, hey, hey, we're getting into this. And so I, get, I start to ripping. an amazing pastor. Mike, this is going to end well for me open that card up, it says something on the Merry Christmas on the front, open that bad boy up, and there was a business card for a realtor, right? You ever ever been there before, right? And here's the thing, I feel like that is our reaction to, to God and his message when he comes at us and he says, I love you. I think that what, we, what ends up happening is we, we, we hear a message about God is love, and not only God is love, but God has love for us, and he's demonstrated that by giving us his son, Jesus, and then our kind of natural response is to ask, well, what do you want from me? And Mary says this, when he, she hears it, I love this part, you've got to love Mary in the story. She, she's greatly troubled at the words because she knows there has to be some sort of string attached, there has to be some sort of implication, and she wants to know what. The other part is that she wants to know how. And, and the reason she wants to know how is a very legitimate reason. Look at verse 34. In verse 34, Mary says, how will this be? Since I am a virgin, turn to your neighbor and say, that's a legitimate question, right? That is a legitimate question, a legitimate question. And I was uh, talking with somebody uh, after the 9 a.m. service, and they wanted me to explain to their son what a virgin is. I said, Dad can explain that on the long ride home, right? You can explain that. But she has a legitimate question. She has a legitimate question. She wants to know what, and not only that part, she's thinking, God, how could this happen? How could this be? Now don't miss this part, don't miss this part, because we ask God the same questions. When God tells us what he has done for us, when God not only tells us, when he demonstrates it, when we hear a message like we're hearing this morning, we want to know what, but we also want to know how. How could it be? Don't you know who I've been? Don't you remember spring break 10 years ago? Like, don't you remember those bad parts of my life? How could this be? And you get this twisted, this part right here. You believe that your bad is greater than God's good. But you need to get that twisted. You need to know that God's good is greater than your bad. Anything that you have done in your life, God's good is greater than your bad. All the stuff, all the lies, all the things that we've done to other people, all of those things. What God says is, my good is greater than your bad. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of love. And, and, this, is where, and this is why we don't receive a message like we're receiving this morning. Put this up, please, for me. It's because it's, the reason it's hard for us to receive Jesus isn't because of how bad we are. Rather, it's because of how good God is toward us. Scripture tells us that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God could have shown up and said, turn or burn. God could have showed up and said, I am dropping the hammer on you. But rather, He shows up with a message of love. Now, Is there a time, is there going to be a season in which all the wrongs are going to be made right? Yes. And that's what Christmas, what it teaches us is that there will be a second advent. There will be a time when Jesus comes again. But until that point, the door is wide open. God has a giant open front door. And that is a door of his love. So how do we respond to this? Rather than asking the question, what and how, I want to give you a different way to respond. And what's beautiful about this story is that Mary, although she's so special because she becomes the the mother of Jesus, Mary's part in the story is super important for followers of Christ because it teaches us how we should appropriately, appropriately respond to the message that God gives us. Because look what Mary, look what happens with Mary. Not only does she ask her questions and she's troubled, which, by the way, the angel did not reprimand her for asking questions. God did not drop lightning on her head because she wondered how this was going to happen. That is perfectly fine. But you've got to get over that hump and you've got to get to this point where Mary says this, I believe in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You see, This is how we receive the message of Christmas. This is how we receive the message of love. Is that all the stuff, after we get over all the mind blocks, we get to a point where we say, may your word to me be fulfilled. Another way to translate that, another way to look at this is this. Is that the greatest gift we can give God is a surrendered heart. When you surrender your heart to God, that's how you receive his love and that is how you reciprocate the gift that he has given you. A surrendered heart, it's always about surrender. It's always about surrender. A surrendered heart says, I hear you, God. When we talk about the different things, I hear you, God. Yes, God, I'm moving in that direction. But I want to give you a couple of things this morning as I end my time, and I want to give you some, some handles that you can take this home because, because I believe this is key not only to your Christmas but to this, this season but also to your walk with Jesus is it, is it a surrendered heart. And hear, the, hear this part too is that I believe that there are times in people's life when you make that decision and everything is surrendered, right? The light comes on and anything that is yours now belongs to God. I've seen that and that happens. But what I also believe, because it's been true in my life, is that there are these, there's these points in, of surrender, right? Where we get to a point and we surrender, and another point and we surrender. But the more we do this, the more that we get in a practice of surrender, it becomes easier to surrender to what God has for us. And the other part, on the other side of surrender, is always good. Always good. Because God promises good to those that follow him. But very quickly... A couple of steps of surrender. Uh, put this up for me, what this could look like. And, and as you're thinking about this, I believe that God is communicating to you one of these steps. But the first one is this. Follow God's lead without knowing where he's leading. You see, I think there's a lot of us in the room, myself uh, included, where we say, God, I will follow you to the ends of the earth, to Johannesburg, South Africa. Yeah. Right? We tell God, I'll I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But what do we want to know? Where are we going? Right? And here's how God responds to you. You want to know? Here it is. That's where. Right? Because a surrendered heart will follow God's lead without knowing where he's leading. The second part is this, is to wait for God's timing. We live in a very fast-paced environment. We live in a world where if our Netflix gets interrupted, we are ready to call Congress, right? We get so upset about this. But what surrender looks like is waiting without knowing when it will come. That's what a surrendered heart looks like. And If you need examples, let's look at the life of Jesus very quickly. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Read the Bible. He did not want to go that path. But what does he tell his Father? Not my will to be done, but your will. You see, the whole game is surrender. It's surrender. Expect the miracle without knowing how God will provide. I got zero amens on that one. Right? We want to we wanna say, okay, gave my tithe money on Sunday, miracles should show up like the Amazon packages. Right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But can I tell you something that God is working all along the way? He is working all along the way. He is in process. He's working on your heart. He's working on the hearts of those around you. And this is the part, this is why we can surrender, is because God is ultimately good. That's why you can surrender. Because God not only talks about being good, He sent His Son into the world to show us the goodness that He has for those who are in Christ Jesus. And fourth is this. Trust God's processes without knowing the outcome, right? We, we want to go to the CrossFit and know it's going to take 10 weeks for me to get abs that look like Bradley Cooper, right? And it doesn't work like this. That's not surrender. What that is is that's a transaction. But what surrender looks like is trusting that God is at work without knowing the outcome. And can I tell you something Whether it happens in this life or in your child's life, God is still at work. I was reading recently about prayers and and how prayers have um, no—they have no time; uh, they're they're not bound by time. Meaning that the prayers you pray for your children, the prayers that you pray for some future—they don't expire when you expire. They're eternal. See, again, all evidence and reasons why God invites us into the, to a lifestyle of surrender with Him. Because He is good. Because He is at work. He is moving in your life. So I invite you to surrender. Now this morning, as we kind of end our time, this is why, this is why I want to invite you into this time of surrender, this moment of surrender It's because I believe that God has good things for God's people. But do you know something? It's really hard to receive God's love when you're holding on to bitterness. It's really hard to receive a financial miracle when you are holding on to that checkbook. It's really hard to receive the peace that you're after when you cannot let go of that grudge. You see, in God's economy, in God's kingdom, the way that it operates, the way that it works is that as soon as we give those things up, God says, good, here, receive peace, receive hope in your life, receive joy in your life, receive love in your life. This is how God operates. But it's really hard to catch the stuff that God wants to throw at us when we got our hands wrapped around the things that we think we need to have our hands wrapped. This Christmas, right? Don't miss this part because it's Christmas and we're gonna we're going to sing songs and we're going to drink hot coffee and all this stuff. Don't miss this part because this is the powerful message of Christmas. Surrender. 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 Tomorrow at Christmas Eve, we'll light that final candle and you'll hear, hear the, kind of the final part of what it looks like to receive Jesus in this season. Would you pray with me this morning?